I'm so thankful for Heather sharing with us earlier today. I love hearing about the kids and what's going on in their life. And I think many of you may not have known that we've had such an amazing ministry happening right here at Cedars Campus. And what's going on for these kids and this stage of their life is going to impact them for the rest of their life and possibly eternity. So I want to thank you for your prayers for them. Continue to pray for them. And um, I hope that you are impacted by these kids as well. There is um, a young child, actually, that greatly impacted me as I was growing up. And some of you may know her. Actually, she's well known. Uh, But Helen Keller has been an inspiration to me. And she became uh, deaf and blind at 19 months old. And you can imagine what that must have been like for her to be shut off from the world around her and not able to communicate or to grow in that language and have that understanding and not be able to have that intimate relationship uh, with the people in her life because she couldn't, she couldn't communicate or be communicated to in that way. As a child, um, I was so fascinated by her life that I would actually, I would sit in my room and I would cover up my ears and I would shut my eyes tight and I would try to see how long I could stand being shut off in the world and try to imagine what it was like for her. You can imagine though how my mom would have been extremely frustrated. Like, Mom, having an in-depth experience, and yeah. (laughs) So we're going to teach our kids that today in Sunday school, so, you know, just be aware. (laughs) Helen, when she was five, um, a teacher came into her life, Anne Sullivan. She was from uh, the Perkins School for the Blind in Boston, and she came to not just tutor her, but she came to live with Helen in her home and to dwell with her. And she worked constantly trying to help Helen to understand uh, the meaning of words. And Helen, she would, she would learn by, by, you know, letters that she was trying to teach in her hand. She could memorize the motions, but there was no real connection to what those letters or those words meant to a language. But Anne didn't give up. She believed that one day her sight for language, her understanding for language would be open, but, but Anne could not make that happen. But she stayed in faith, continuing to do what she could do to help this young girl. Language is so important for us. In 1 Corinthians 14, 10 through 11, it says, There are doubtless many languages in the world and none without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. In connection to today's message and substance to the word of God, If we don't, without the word of God understood by us, God remains a foreigner. God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to come out of that isolation, that darkness from him, and to know him intimately. But this is a beautiful mystery. I think really if you think about it, it is is amazing that the God who created the universe, the creator of all, would take and give us a language to understand him by that he would put himself into something that is lesser and incomplete so that we who are lesser and incomplete could understand him. So before I get into the word, I want to pray again because I really want the Holy Spirit to be here today. (laughs) Lord, we thank you so much that you give us the gift of language, that you give us the gift of your word, your spoken word, your written word. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make your word alive to us today. Not my words to be heard, but your words. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
you have your Bible with you, um, go ahead. We're going to be going into the book of John. Um, and we also have the Bible app. So if you want, you can download the YouVersion uh, Bible app and you can find our scriptures on there today. When we think of the Bible um, and we think of the Word of God, there's a, the spoken Word of God, the written Word of God, and we have a Bible that we get to know our God through. And God never contradicts himself in his spoken word or from his written word, okay? But sometimes we make the Bible things that it shouldn't be. Sometimes we come to the Bible and we think of it as, you know, just a history book. Well, okay, yeah, it does have history in there, but it is more credible than any piece of literature that we have existing in the world today. And from its origins, the proximity of the authors, the actual events that happened, to the dating of the copies, the number of manuscripts, it is amazing. If you need to go on that journey, um, apologetics is great. We're not going to dive into that today, but I know some of you have asked me those questions. And I just recommend go check out the work of Lee Strobel. He was an investigative journalist. He was an atheist who came into faith through his investigation. Um, Sometimes we use the Bible as a science book. It's not going to give us all the answers to science. Although God did author all creation, God goes way beyond quirks, leptons, all that stuff. It's not just a good moral reference book. We're not just supposed to look at it with Jesus as a good moral teacher. It is more than that. And it's not just a book that we're to go to to make us feel good. Okay? A.W. Tozer um, said, The Bible, when read honestly and responsibly, it does bring peace of mind, but only after it has first brought the heart to repentance. That is often anything but peaceful. That journey of having the word confront us can be quite uncomfortable at times, but it is meant for our good. The meaning and the purpose of the Bible, it has one single unified message. It is God's message of redemption to humanity. It is meant to be received by us, and it is meant to be shared. Second, Second Titus 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that man, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word is here to redeem us and complete us and to make us whole. So substance, we talk of sustenance in the Word of God. Um, we're going to go back to our definition to just remind us of what, what is the meaning of sustenance. So first, the meaning of means of support, maintenance, su- or substance. I'm sorry, I can't say these things very correctly. Uh, food, provision, and nourishment. The act of sustaining, the state of being sustained. A supplying or being supplied with the necessaries of life. Something that gives support, endurance, and strength. The Word of God is meant to do all those things for us, and more, actually. We're going to go through the Gospel of John today. John, I love the Gospel of John because he opens up his Gospel with an incredible declaration that Jesus is the Word, the Logos, of God, meaning that Jesus embodies the total message of God's redemption for humanity. He embodies all of the message of God in the flesh. Okay, so to drive this home, we're going to read the first part of John, um, and I'm going to be inserting Jesus's name after the word, okay? In the beginning was the word, Jesus, and the word, Jesus, was with God, and the word, Jesus, was God. He was with God, and he was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When we're talking about sustenance in the word, it must start with Jesus. In summary of John's gospel, he wanted to present Jesus as the one and only Son of God, that he is the one to answer all of humanity's needs, whether it be our need for redemption, salvation, joy, peace, reconciliation, mercy, love, everything. Jesus is our provider for those. As we go through the book of John, we're going on a journey here with the disciples. They got to experience and witness the miracles of Jesus' teaching. The learning about the Father and about his kingdom. They had the word of God in the flesh with them. He was physically present in their life. Those years must have been amazing and glorious for them. But towards the end, Jesus, the word of God who came to dwell with us, dwell with them intimately, began revealing about the death he was going to suffer. And that a time was coming when he, Jesus the Messiah, would be physically leaving them. They had been walking with the word of God all these years in his light. But now Jesus is saying that darkness was coming. Their anticipation of that separation from him, I could only imagine the agony in their heart as they they were trying to wrestle with understanding what this would be like to be separated from the one who is sustaining me. Specifically today, we're going to be in John chapter 14. This is called the farewell discourse. It is the evening of the Passover. They've already eaten the meal. They've learned about the covenant, right, about communion. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, a very intimate place of his servant, telling them what their life was to be like with one another. And the one who was to betray him had already left And he's sharing to the rest of the disciples that all of you are going to abandon me too. Could you imagine what that was like? This is why I wanted to go into this part of scripture. Because if there was any other time in the disciples' lives where they needed some assurance of God sustaining them, this was it. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The first and primary thing here that Jesus points out, first he he comforts them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay, when we're, when we're in lack and we're in need, take heart. Okay, Jesus is with us. The Lord is here. But he says, believe in God. Believe also in me. This is central to the word being able to feed us. If we don't believe in God, we don't believe in Jesus, this word is not going to have much meaning for us. It is going to be like those letters 
in the hand of Helen without being able to connect the real meaning behind them. Jesus, if we walked away with this, and I think if we really understood, we didn't have these barriers to understanding God, right? Because we, we have language, but it's limited. I think we could walk away with this and be sustained. Believe in God. Believe also in me. But Jesus goes on in this discourse with the disciples because they have some questions they need to understand. And we too are meant to wrestle with God's word and ask him questions and dialogue with him. But the thing here too, before we go on, I want you to see if all else fails, when we believe in God and we believe in the Christ, he says, I have an eternal place for you. If all else fails, take heart. You're going to be with me. It's okay. And you know the way to where I am going. Here's our first question from Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? This, this question I love is like, wait, you were with me, but now you're going to go away? You're gonna, you're, you, you even asked us. Back in chapter 6, we hear that Jesus even asked the disciples, after some hard teaching, actually, he was talking about, you know, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Right? So many people left Jesus at that time. And he turned to the disciples and he said, are you, are you going to leave me too? And Peter's response to him was, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where would we go? So they're like, we're not going to leave you. And then Jesus is telling them a little while earlier, no, you're going you're gonna to abandon me. And by the way, I'm going away. And they're like, wait, we don't know the way. How, how, do, we, how do we get connected again, God? How do, we, how do we stay with you? Jesus answers him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Thomas was asking for probably a physical way, right? Jesus, using our language, was not talking about a physical way, but a way through him. He is the way. In that, we know that it is God's spirit who gives us life. Jesus said in chapter 6, Back then, with all that going on over there, he said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus is giving that assurance that, hey, you know the way because you know me. So believe in God. Believe in Christ. You know the way to have sustenance in the word because you know the Lord. Okay? You have the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So the first takeaway from this, believe in the one of whom the word speaks. If you're going to read the word, believe in the one of who it talks about. Believe in God, believe in the Christ, and believe in his word. That is our assurance. We have the way because we know Jesus. He is the way. Philip comes with the next question, and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. This question can be like, what? Like, why is he, why is he asking this? It, this one took me a while to work through. I really had to ask the Holy Spirit, God, show me, what, what is this? You see, Jesus' teaching was about the Father. 
right? I mean, they were wanting Israel, they were waiting for that reconciliation with God, to be right with God. And so Jesus, the word of God comes, he, he lives with them, he walks with them, he reveals God's light to them, he is the light of the world, and he teaches them of the Father, he teaches them of the kingdom. And these disciples, I'm sure they were just, they loved this and they still had this longing to see the Father's face. They wanted that assurance of that eternity. The Father loving me. Jesus' response is, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Jesus has the words of life. He is speaking on the authority of the Father. And this is coming into that realization for them that they are un- when they're unified with the Lord, with Jesus, they are unified with God the Father. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Jesus' works, the word of God in the flesh living out, did works, right? His works were the word in the flesh revealing the Father. So, little question for us here, right? That this here, this amazing thing with the word of God in us, if we are in God and we have the word of God, God's word gets to live in us, revealing the Father, revealing God through us. Why? Not because of us, but because Jesus is the one who lives us. He is the one that bears witness to the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. The greater works and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. There's a lot of stuff in there that we could dive into. I'm sure there's some questions popping up there. Write your questions down, by the way. If scripture brings questions to mind, write them down because I encourage you, those are the things. We're not going to answer everything on a Sunday morning together. You are meant to take those questions and dive into the word with the Holy Spirit on your own and ask him to reveal to you the truth in his word on those questions, okay? So don't just skip over those, write those down. But I also want to be clear here that the miracles that he is speaking of, nobody did greater works as far as like, the intensity of miracles than Jesus did. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. amen. Okay, we, we are not going to do a raising from the dead, right? We're not going to die and raise ourselves from the dead, right? We're not going to be, I don't know, maybe some of you will walk on water. That'd be pretty amazing. But Jesus is talking about the scope and the, the reach of his work. His work to do the will of the Father was about the redemption, right? It was about living out the gospel. And yes, he, he healed the sick, right? He um, provided for the poor. He did these amazing things, but, and we, we get to do a part of this too. Miracles are still alive today. 
But I want you to understand that, that if you're not doing miracles, it doesn't mean that you are not remaining in God. Okay? That's not a good teaching. But so Jesus, after his resurrection, he didn't stop his work. Okay? We know he's the king of kings. He's going to come back again. But here he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there's another part of Scripture, because we need to take Scripture as a whole, right? This is not genie in a lamp, right? We don't just come to God and ask him things, and then he doesn't give it to us, and we say, oh, God, you're not alive. You're not at work in my life. No. We are to come to the Word and submit to the Word to understand the will of the Father, then we are to pray the will of God, to ask for these things in Jesus' name, the name above all names, the reason why we have access to the Father. And Jesus says he will do it. He is not leaving the disciples. He didn't leave us and then just become, all right, hands off, my work. He did say it was finished, finished on the cross. But he is continually at work in us and with the Father. Okay, so pray. Take the word, know the word, pray the word of God. He wants that. He's waiting to hear from you. Jesus enjoyed the work of the Father. In John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, after he was did, sat with the woman at the well, right, and the disciples went off to get food, and they came back, and you know, he's like, I have food that you don't know about, right? And they're like, what? Who gave him food, right? They're thinking very naturally. But spiritually, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He says, if you love me and keep my commands... And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Love for God, he says, first, his commandments are, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he, say, he sums it up. You shall love the Lord, of God, Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the law of the prophets. So he says, love me. If you love me, if we're loving God, if we're understanding God's love for, we have love for him because he first loved us. If we're giving that love back to God, we are going to be obedient to those commandments out of that love. Now, I'm not saying to you, if you don't feel love for the Father, don't obey his commandments. Now, we should obey him anyways because he's God, but he wants that love of our heart. It's the only way that we can find the life and the joy and the sustenance that he has for us in his law is in obeying out of our love for him. And he says he sends the helper to be with us forever, not Ever leaving us. The Holy Spirit is a deposit in us until we are fully with them in heaven. John 16, we're jumping over to John 16, 13, because I thought this was important scripture um, to amplify what it was, who the Spirit is. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. 
He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the, fa- all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's this wrapping of a unity that Jesus is speaking to the disciples about. We have the Trinity here in these passages. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the unity with us. The importance of the Holy Spirit in us so that we can understand the Word of God and it can become alive. Right? We have our belief in the Father, and the Father's one has the authority to say these things. We can trust these words. He says, I will not, back to John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Our sustenance in the word of God, it's important for us to have belief. It's also important for us to unite with it, to unite with being in the word. But this happens There's a spiritual thing that takes place inside of us that you cannot do on your own in that connection with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in our love and our adherence, our trust, and our holding on to God and his word, right? We stay united with it and we get to partake of it. We get the strength that we need and the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into that truth and illuminates the scriptures for us. I pray all the time, Every time, Holy Spirit, show me what the word says. I don't want to go on my own thinking, right? Let him lead you. We need that spiritual awakening and that understanding to understand the words of God. Or else, again, they can become so many other things to us that they are not meant to be. I want to go back to Helen Keller. Because I want to share the moment with you that her eyes to language in her heart was opened. It was April 5th, 1887. Miss Sullivan took Helen, who was now six years old. She took her out to the old uh, pump house. She put Helen's hand underneath a stream of water from the spout, and she began spelling in the other hand, W-A-T-E-R. This is Helen's own words of that moment. As the cool stream of water gushed over one hand, she spelled in the other hand the word water, first slowly and then rapidly. I stood still, my attentions fixed on the motions of her fingers. Suddenly I felt a misty consciousness of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought. Somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. That living word awakened my soul, gave it light, hope, joy, set it free. There were barriers still, but, that, but barriers that could in time be swept away. That moment happened. Not by anything Helen could have done on her own or anything that Anne outside of her trying to disciple her teacher could have done. That moment took place. Without that type of awakening for us spiritually, 
God's word remains foreign to us. Perhaps we may even memorize it. We may know about it. But if it's not alive, it doesn't have the meaning and the life that God intends for it to have inside of us. Back to John. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I love him and will manifest myself to him. Whoever has my commands, keeps them, will be loved by the Father. I will manifest myself to him, make myself known alive. Judas, not Iscariot. I love that, that they make sure we know. <laughs> it's not that guy. <laughs> Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? The other thing that they experienced with Jesus, not just dwelling with him, eating with him, like relating, being there, learning about the Father and the kingdom, they also were a part of his work. To follow Jesus means you're a part of his work. You can't be a follower of Jesus and just take it in and become spiritually full of knowledge. You will miss out on what it means to follow Jesus. Like, what about the rest? How are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the rest of the world. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Don't you love repetition? Don't we need repetition for God to explain that to us? Anyone loves me and keeps my word, we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. It is important for us, as James says in 1, chapter 1, 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We are called to be doers of the word. In that doing, we experience this communion with God, this life with God that we can't have through our knowledge alone. We are meant to carry on the word of God into this world. So, for he's our spiritual food. So to review, substance in the word of God, believe. Believe in God the Father. Believe in the Son. Believe in his word unite with it, dig in, get into it in community by yourself, unite with the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord to reveal what it is that he wants to say to you, and realize that there is that part that you cannot do on your own, that the Holy Spirit needs to do. And if I spoke to you today and you were like, what in the world? I don't understand any of this. If you are needing that awakening from the Holy Spirit to even know who God is today, would you come up and pray with us? If you need to have prayer for anything else that you are reaching out and need God to fill you, to open up your eyes, your ears to hear and understand, would you come pray with us? We're going to have a song that's going to play right now just to give you some time to sit with the Lord. You can use the prayer wall up here, or you can come and pray with us who will be over here. Um, and after that, we will close. But my hope for you is that you would believe in God that you would dive into his word, that you would understand the great love that the Father has for you and be united with him, and that you would not just hear the word, but actually do it, because in that doing, you get intimately connected with the work of God in your life. You cannot separate yourself from it in that way. I'm going to just pray, and we're going to put the music on, and then you can come up if you'd like. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word, that you are the one that brings your peace to us, that you are the one who made a way for us to be with the Father. We thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have given, that you give us your life. And we thank you, Father, that you are the one who takes your word and brings conviction inside of our heart, but you also are the one that heals us and unites us to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.